Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there Steve. Hey. And today we are talking about the forthcoming novel from Sarah Macklin, The Royal Heretic. Uh, this is published by MV Media. Milton Davis over there, is he's just killing it lately, man. He's just throwing out all kinds of quality products for your entertainment pleasure. Mm-hmm. So, up front, Milton at MV Media did give us a copy of this to check out. So, thanks to Milton. MV Media, definitely uh, go to their website, mvmediaatl.com. Now, this is a epic fantasy series. The beginnings of an epic fantasy series. We're told that the second book is almost completed. Uh, this one is going to release on June, not June, we're in June, July 1st. So it'll be available for your reading pleasure. That's right. Now, give us a real quick synopsis, Steve. Well, there's no real quick synopsis about this book. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty complicated. Uh, but your basic situation is you have a um, an empire. Um, heralded by a god king who decides that um, he doesn't want to be a god king anymore because he he uh, was slighted. He feels he was slighted by the gods um, from the death of his son. So he renounces them all and decides he's just going to be the emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, and as this, this guy is a narcissist, he thinks everyone's just going to fall in line with it and and love him. Little realizing that the people's faith is really the only thing uh, holding this whole shebang together. Right. Right. And the repercussions for this particular action of renouncement echo throughout the land. Really, we have uh, scenes bouncing back and forth from different parts of the country, all dealing with the fallout of this one action. It is... One of those epic fantasies that have many point of view characters, uh, all of them well written, uh, all of them interesting. That everybody's got their own cultures, and it's one of those types of world building where it's not like info dumped and spelled out for you. You get the gist of all of the information just from casual conversation and and through the storytelling itself and your prior knowledge of history. Right. She, she definitely uses that technique of um, you fill in the blanks with uh, some, per- some pertinent details. Right, right. Of how things work. But also the interesting thing about it is, is that you, you pick up the action kind of not necessarily in media res because, you know, the, the action of the novel is pretty self-contained beginning to end. But you are... Given that this is only one episode in a long history of this world, uh, the Nicole, the the man who would become the emperor, is the just the latest in a line stretching back toward the beginnings. As are most of the characters are part of a line, tradition, history, all of this stuff plays a part in the telling of this narrative. It's true. I, what can I add to that? <laughs> I mean, 
you stated a fact. <laughs> that was for you to jump in and go, yeah. I mean, but that's what it is. You you have, um, you know, just through the storytelling, you have um, the the different actors in this drama um, are are just part of a, a line of history of their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have uh, subjugated kingdoms that are now under the yoke of the, the um, empire um, and talk about the consequences of the actions of their ancestors, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know, the, the, the history plays such a huge part in what's going on in this novel. It helps make this world come alive. Yes. And it is, it is a, it's, it's at the same time, it seems like a very young world, but it also, is a very old world. Now, we're trying not to give you spoilers because we're recording this effectively two weeks before the the novel is released to the general public. Right. And it is such a good novel that we really don't want to spoil anything outside the the major point of the plot. Right. Uh so let's let's talk about that that inciting in um where the Nicole or or Emperor uh, loses his faith and declares there are no gods because it's not often that you see this type of uh, atheism in a fantasy setting and it's a and it makes the emperor's actions kind of stand out and we'll get to we'll get to the rest of that inciting incident in a moment but uh, but it is this guy has stopped believing in the gods in a world where the gods are present and active. Well, I think probably at this point in the history that they weren't present and active. I think that maybe in the past they had been, mm-hmm. uh, but that's like in the times of mythic legends, no one... Um, has actually spoken with the gods prior to the text. Um, now, you do get a lot of that. Well, not a lot, but you do get incidents of theophanies in the text itself. But I don't think prior to this, there was like a huge evidence of the gods coming in and interfering with, with human affairs. Right. But- so, I mean, there, there, obviously, faith plays a huge, a, a big part of the lives of the people here mm-hmm. but i don't think it was because uh you know jim the god of plumbers came down and uh spoke to the to the plumbers union you know on sundays mm-hmm. i think it was just a matter of tradition and history uh, and you have a a leader who is arrogant enough to buck that because he his feelings got hurt right right as Which- opposed to a setting where you have very active gods, mm-hmm. um, which would be most fantasy. Right. Well, I, I think the interaction might be commonplace enough, you know, not necessarily like the gods themselves, but I think um, through some of the other characters and their experiences that, you know, the gods having go-betweens that are not necessarily of the priesthood, is 
somewhat commonplace. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a big shock if somebody comes along and says, I am the emissary of the god of snack chips. I think it is because I think in in at least the, the most prominent example of theophany in this in this book, uh, that person is uh, completely not believed at first, taken prisoner um, and until her powers are revealed through violence and obvious intervention, um, is she believed? I, I don't, she wasn't, it wasn't like she walked in and said, I'm the emissary of, of uh, the Dorito God. I'm trying to be very vague here so it doesn't give anything away. Right, right. But uh, she, she's not believed. Um, it, it takes, it takes some uh, fantastic shit for her to be believed. Right. And, right. and I think that the, the, you have people who have faith, but I don't think that, I think a lot of the, the faith that they have is cultural. Just take a look at how the, uh, the equivalent of the Assassin's Guild takes the news mm-hmm. in stride. It's not like um, they're crying blasphemy. Well, some of them are, but initially, well, I just, I think that you, you have a very similar situation to actual, like actual real life right now where you have people who believe and you have varying, um, you know, varying depths of belief um, in, in, in gods. Well, I, I, I think, I think the assassins guild in, in this novel, um, you know, they are a little bit different because what they do is the expression of their faith. And, you know, it's, they even say so. Sorry for the spoilers, guys. But in the early conversations, they even yeah, say they're, so. They're yeah, that um, we, it doesn't matter what the king believes or what the religion of the land is. We still get to practice our religion because this is what we do. And this is how we practice our faith through murder. Right. Well, I guess so, what I'm trying to so say. So it doesn't matter what the emperor believes because we can still be faithful and just keep up appearances that, oh, yeah, we're complete. We're completely secular assassins. Yeah. Well, they're very pragmatic about it. Well, some of them are. Some of them. Are. But I mean, as opposed to. Um, you have like fantasy novels that are very lore heavy, we'll just say. Yes. Um, where um, there is evidence of divine intervention in the world. I mean, look at Sauron. He is a fallen angel. It's part, it's baked into the history. If you know anything about Middle Earth, you know that. Right. So because he's a fallen angel, obviously there is a hierarchy of angels and gods and blah, blah, blah. Everyone knows this. Some people are blasé about it, but they're there. I think here, until you you get well into the conflict, um, the the presence of actual deities in this world is very similar to ours. Maybe there are, maybe there aren't. But they're, they're in a theocracy. Right, right. <laughs> and when the head honcho of the theocracy decides to all of a sudden become atheist, mm-hmm. then, then you have some some problems because there everything is based around this belief that that this guy's the god emperor. 
Right, right. And it, it's really, well, not only does he become atheist, he is anti-theist. Yeah. He, he uh, seeks to destroy all religion within his empire. Yes. And it, it's, he's not a very bright guy because it seems to me a lot of the, the, the culture is completely based on the institutions of priesthood and religion and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not only in his, in, you know, his kingdom part of his empire, but in the satellite kingdoms as well. Um, you have, for example, where his uh, second wife um, is from, the royal house and the, the um, head of the priesthood there are intertwined mm -hmm. um, as as it is in the south in a completely different region. So you, you have like this intermingling of royalty and the priesthood. And, you know, I'm sure you get a lot of like second and third sons that get shoved off to the military or the priesthood because they're not in line of succession. Right, right. But but you also have on top of that, you have this cultural aspect of, yes, the, one of the central characters, the emperor, you know, is supposedly ordained by his gods. But in the process of creating the empire, they have also subsumed other cultures gods so yeah, not only wrong. not only has this emperor come along and his you know his father grandfather great grandfather etc etc have come through and you know usurped the religious doctrines of these other cultures but now this guy's coming along and saying nope none of it so so it touches off a lot of a lot of feelings and and the entire conflict of this book uh, from the deeply personal because the king's or the emperor's decision does spark a few crises of faith. Um, but it also sparks the fires of rebellion uh, because it's like, look, he's fallen so far. He doesn't even believe in the gods anymore. He doesn't believe in his own gods anymore let alone anybody else's. And he's he's trying to upend society in the eyes of these other people. And and therein lies the scope of the entire conflict. So oh, right. that's where all the world building happens. Mm -hmm. So where all the world building happens is the entire scope of the, the conflict and you know all the conflicts, the little conflicts all the way to you know, the bigger stuff that you know is coming later in the series. Right. Bigger, bigger, larger confrontations. And Macklin does an excellent job at setting up all of these conflicts to be like dominoes. That is one thing is going to touch off and it's like every everything explodes in a powder keg. You know, it's kind of like uh, lighting a fuse of sorts. Right. Yeah, it's a. Uh, she did. It's. This is definitely the first book, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it does its job well as a first book mm -hmm. um, because it makes you want to to see what's going to happen next. There's so much that happens, and it's all kind of just building. This whole novel is just building and creating tension that never gets released. Right. When we because get the first hints of release, and it, it builds, 
multiple cliffhangers. Yes. It's a, it, it's definitely, it does its job um, as that, which is great. Um, unfortunately, you know, I don't know if the second book's been written or not, but I haven't read it. And that kind of, uh, kind of makes me, it's a little disappointing because I want it. I want to read more. <laughs> I want to read more now. <laughs> kind of got, yeah. That's kind of how I've, I felt is I remember messaging Milton as soon as I finished with, okay, when's this next one coming? Come on. Your TikTok, because yeah, everything is 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 built up. Uh, Macklin sets everything up nicely, and then the end of the book is the dominoes being flipped, and you see them start to fall. And everyone's story, all the main characters, all are on cliffhangers. Yep. By by the end of this book, um, which is one is hard to do when you're dealing with that many characters. Is bring everyone's plot threads. Not only to a satisfying conclusion, but a satisfying conclusion that is also a cliffhanger, where you, you want to know what happens. <laughs> What's that? They could hardly have concluded if there's if they're all on cliffhangers. Well, but you know, sometimes when you have a series, you can have the end of a of a of a character arc and pick it up in the next book, and it's like, okay, you know, this is the next logical progression of that movie. But not when, uh, but some, this book has everyone in on a cliffhanger and they are satisfying cliffhangers. There is, doesn't feel contrived. Uh, it doesn't feel forced. It's like a natural progression to this point. The book ends and you want to find out what happens to all of the characters, not just, you know, character A, character B, character C. Right. You, you want to find out what happens with all of the assorted plot threads going on. Yes. I'll, I'll agree with that. And, and also the, the, the separate plot threads, Macklin manages to keep tightly intertwined as well. Yeah. Without making him seem, uh, contrived. She doesn't have, um, convenient people show up in the nick of time kind of things. Mm -hmm. Well, at the end, she kind of does, but not really. Right. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, un, it's, it's natural. It's all Chekhov's gun. Right. You know, it's, it's a continual line, um, from point A to point B to point C. And then point C just happens to be point C of someone else's story as well. And you see how it got there. It's not, um, uh, Musashi wandering around, going back to Kyoto and running into his best friend's mother-in-law by chance. Right. <clears throat> best friend's mother-in-law who just so happens to be have the thing that he's looking for who wants, who wants to kill him <laughs> right no everything everything is natural everything stays tight and, and intertwined my only real criticism of of the book and it may be because of the early copy that we have is there are some chapters that jump between characters rather abruptly um that you're reading to about one character and then scene shift. And it's a completely different character on the other side of the continent. Um, and within a single chapter, that's a little jarring. Uh, maybe if there was shorter chapters or something like that, where, you know, the breaks, but I suppose it's constructed that way to make everything appear to be happening simultaneously. Yeah. That didn't really bother me. Once I got, 
you know, once you get used to the fact that there's basically three story threads in each chapter, mm-hmm. um, and there, and it's not consistent as to who who's paired with whom in the chapters. You know, it just once you you figure out where you are, it's fine. It's it's not. Well, I mean, I didn't say it was like a game breaking or anything like that. That's the only criticism, and and it's minor. <laughs> you know, it's it's a, it's a minor quibble on my own internal way of structuring things. So there you go. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, I guess it's kind of weird when uh, I guess it's the tables have turned um, when your lack of belief is the char- the main villains. Modus operandi, right? Um, <laughs> I'm not really, you know, outside of actual people insulting me. I'm not used to reading books where the atheist is the villain, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, so that well, it was a little jarring. So I had to get past that a little bit. That mm-hmm. I don't think she's like dogging all atheists. I hope she's not. Well, even even as such, I mean. You have the emperor. The emperor is more of a Richard Dawkins kind of asshole atheist than, <laughs> than say, your run of the mill non believer. It's, you know, I'm an atheist and you got to be one too. And, and yeah, I think I mean, that's, that's the kicker right there. He is definitely, and they do give great pains to, to say that he's always been a bad man. Right. Right. Even as a believer, he was a bad believer. He was a bad man as a believer. He's a bad man as a non-believer. He's just a bad man. Yeah. So that 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 kind of helps, right? <laughs> and and that is kind of like a Richard Dawkins kind of thing, where he's just an asshole, right? <laughs> and his atheism just happens to be incidental. It happens to be the focus of most of his assholery. Mm-hmm. Um, but assholes got an asshole, right? Right, right. And it, it's it's interesting in how he enacts uh, his antitheism in in going through and you know burning texts and striking down images. And, yeah, I mean, he, he's but, not the brightest guy in the world, is he? No, he, he's not because he he has spent no time really converting all of this. His argument for atheism is the ultimate appeal to authority his own yeah but i mean you could i mean had he had like his own goebbels right or um or uh richard spencer or whatever ew he he could have had instead of destroying these religious um artifacts he could have put him in a fucking museum as an example a la um legends of tomorrow finale <laughs> right of of uh you know these are the ills of of religion mm-hmm. there's the hall of what not to do right right but no instead you know instead of, of turning it around and using it as propaganda or even like selling it so he can have you know, so they can have money, right. so they can turn a profit off of it, or or whatever. They just destroy it all, mm-hmm. like the fucking Taliban. Yep, it, or it's ISIS. like 
Yeah, it's a hasty decision. And, and it seems to me that a lot of his decisions are hastily made. And a lot of times his his staff, his 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 family who are his most staunch allies, and they're bound by familial bond. And you know, he doesn't have any allies in this. He has converted no one to his cause other than the simple filial piety of this government. Yeah, and there's a bunch of sycophants around him. Right. And, who, and who, no one no one told him, do you think this is a good idea? Right. <laughs> and even and his brother who had the chance, he probably not would have not executed his brother. His brother at the beginning could have just said, think this through. Don't be rash about this. The people are a Deeply believing people, and just to yank this out from from under them like that is going to cause um, a ruckus. But no one said that to him. No one said, "Let's do this the smart way." And in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, our our emperor character mirrors a certain politician in current events uh, who just goes off half cocked and does things and expects everyone else to just fall in line and. It, it it illustrates beautifully the dangers of that type of uh, that type of power structure, and and it's yeah. can, contrasted by the power structures within the conquered areas as well. And you get to see a mirror of the emperor in his second wife, uh, who is very much his opposite. And then you get to see one of his magistrates dealing with issues down in the southern kingdom who is very much the same they might as well be blood related because they are both uh rash and make these judgments based solely on the fact that this is my authority this is my right right and we see in a small scale i think i think macklin foreshadows the entire series with what happens in the south with the the jungle people yeah, that was, that, that was actually a really cool um, thing. I kind of had wished that the that there wasn't a reveal there, that it was more mysterious. But, I mean, I see why she, she did it that way. Uh, it just just from a, a horror standpoint. Yeah. It would have been nice to, like, not ha- not show the the things. Yeah, that, that could have easily been a sequence that was the second act of Predator. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just being picked off one by one by something they can only catch small glimpses of in the forest. That would have been really cool. Right. But, uh, but I, I still was, think that's one of the cool. more... Yeah, what happened was is one of the best sequences of the book uh, was, was, that, was the sequence in the jungle. Uh, and it did have that horror element to it. Uh, even, even with the reveal early on. Uh, and that came to a very satisfying conclusion as well and I, I really wonder what the next step for that particular story arc is going to be because yeah. because we do leave with the emperor in the north rather than the south everything in the south is going on at the same time and it I, I like how there is some but, distance between the different events that are happening but they all feel like all of this stuff is happening fairly close yeah 
Oh yeah, um, it's it's the the whole action of it takes place within I think like a two week period. Oh, a little bit longer than that. It's not it's not it's not very long. Yeah, the events that take place. Um, there was also I, I like the fact that she made a couple of nods, and I don't know if this was um, on purpose or uh, un- subconsciously to uh, to Robert E. Howard and the Solomon Kane story uh with 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 solomon kane's unique or um his his uh companion's unique um solution to a vampire problem (laughs) 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 i was reading that i was going wait a minute this is this is like solomon kane right here (laughs) so overall i would say that um the royal heretic is a must-have book, uh, a, a must-read for 20, 2020. I forgot what year we were in. <laughs> Almost said yeah. 2016 because it's been such shit. Yeah, it's a good book. Um, it's different than a lot of epic fantasy um, that I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, just, there, there's a lot, it's very, I guess, low magic. Yeah. Um, and it, and it isn't like a, uh, it's not a quest. Nope. It, uh, it's, it's not, it's not that, that, um, that version of the hero's journey that just gets repeated over and over and over and over again. No, it's not. In a way, if you take out the, uh, the magic-y parts of the Wheel of Time, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of that just because, just because of how it's structured. Uh, it's very similarly structured to how the wheel of time is. And I hope it isn't as long as the wheel of time. Um, but don't get me wrong. It doesn't dwell on what, uh, you know, every course of a meal that characters eat or the uh, thread count of dresses or whatever. Uh, it's just the, the way that it, it follows, you know, a dozen characters. Around. Right, right. For having a, a dozen characters, uh, Macklin really keeps this pacing very tight. Yes. Uh, and, and yeah, it never bogs down, even when characters are having like existential crises. Uh, even, even that doesn't bog things down. Some, sometimes you might read something and there is an excessive amount of navel gazing, um, during those moments. But, well, I Macklin, mean, Macklin is able to just like, you know, when they get to that point, is able to, the universe comes along and smacks them upside the head and says, all right, back to the plot, buddy. Yeah, well, as one of the main themes is, you know, faith mm-hmm. in a world where it's becoming apparent that the gods do exist, um, I think there's going to be some naval casing. If there wasn't, it would kind of uh, betray its own theme. Right, but it's not excessive naval gazing, and it's not... Uh, something that that just like fills up space that all of it is to get to a certain point and you know there's there's not any any words wasted on it it's it's an immediate problem it's contemplated and a solution may or may not present itself but real life takes over and you have to get back to it so it's like after the ecstasy the laundry kind of a situation yeah, I mean, and it, there's definitely there's there's characters who are uh, just as despicable 
as the uh, as the 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 emperor mm. um, who just happened to be um, at the 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 short end of the power structure. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, like who are on the side of the quote, good guys. Right. Or they're, you know, it's not the oppressed. oppressed Right. It's not a two sided, uh, argument like a lot of fantasy books. It's, it's very much, everyone has their own motivation and they're all acting in this grand play. Yes, you're you're equivalent to the writers of Rohan have their own Rohan problems as opposed to um, getting over these so they can go and save Gondor. Right. They're dealing with their own shit and fuck Gondor. Right. <laughs> and and it's interesting that you know every other you know their own shit is so in, intertwined with the other shit that is going on elsewhere and. They don't always see it, but you as the reader definitely see, okay, well, this problem is linked to this and this, and it's like this chain of events that, and everything is connected. It's like a net just cast out over this continent and everything is just like in place. So there you have it, a a novel of a, a rich environment, interesting characters, and a conflict that spans from the smallest internal conflict to grand continent world spanning events. A must read for 2020. Definitely check it out. July 1st, The Royal Heretic, Sarah Macklin, published by MV Media. If you buy one small press book this year, and I hope you don't, I hope you buy lots, but buy this one. Put this one on your shelf. We need the second book. (laughs) That's right. Just buy it so we can read the second book. That's right. Put some money in their pockets, y'all. And that wraps it up for us this week. Until next time. Keep 30 level. Or as Brian would say, what does he say? Ha- take 30 luck points? Take 30 luck points. Hi, Brian. We love you. <laughs> thanks, thanks for running the game last night. It was great.